0: How to Drive Meaningful Change in the Workplace and at Home Through the Power of Hope, Emerging Through Pain, and Living with Gratitude with the author of Life is Hard, But I'll Be Okay, Johnny Serpilla on episode number 221 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller.
1: For me, I have to find purpose in that pain. I cannot accept, and I would not accept at that time in my late 20s when Nicholas, Mary and Peter died, I would not accept that this was the life that my wife and I were destined to lead. Hi there, this is Aaron Walker from View From The Top,
0: where I help people like you discover how to live a life of significance Here on the Beyond Adversity podcast, Dr. Brad Miller helps you to crush adversity and discover your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Welcome to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, the show dedicated to helping you crush adversity and succeed in life. Brad believes you deserve a life that is fulfilling and impactful. And this show is designed to help you navigate beyond adversity and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Now, here's Dr. Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to Beyond Adversity with Dr. Brad Miller. A pleasure and a privilege to have you with me here today as we discuss matters that matter. How to live your life in such a way that you can grow through whatever it is that you go through, and to overcome adversity in your life, to achieve your life of peace and prosperity and purpose. We're brought to you by the 40-Day Way, which is our coaching program, which helps you develop your PLP, your promised life plan, your written resource to help you to change your life from being stuck in adversity to finding your promised life in 40 days. Head over to drbradmiller.com slash 40-Day Way for more information about that. At Dr. Brad Miller, you can find over 220 episodes of this podcast, which is designed for you to navigate adversity in your life. Here's your question for today, friends. What would happen in your life if things were cruising along, but you had the devastation of losing a child as an infant? And what if you multiply that by three? Losing three children at birth. And how would that impact your workplace, your life, your marriage, your every aspect of your life? Would you crash and burn or would you find a way to understand that even though this is a hard thing, you will get through it with hope and with attitude of uh, gratitude and choosing to emerge through the pain. Our guest today is Johnny Cepillo. He had a devastating thing in his life after things were cruising along pretty well. He was the CEO of a large, uh, successful company, Camping World. He had a beautiful wife and, and a good marriage, and his wife, Susan. When it came time to have a family, they found out they were expecting triplets. And then the tragedy came. They lost the triplets at birth. We're going to unpack Johnny's story and the pain that he felt with that, but how that impacted his workplace, his marriage, every his health, every aspect of his life, then what's he going to do about it? So you're going to learn in his story today what he did about it, how he chose to get through this process, and how that impacted his workplace, and how things such as a mindset and tone it became very important to him personally and in the success of his company and how all this connectedness between his home life and his work life became a real thing to him. And he began to realize how he then had to use that to apply to the employees and to the, uh, his team at his company in order for the goals and missions of the workplace to be accomplished. They had to deal with, with the situations in people's homes and their own lives. And it became a part of a critical toolbox for his company's success. So this is a podcast today about business, yes, about heartache, and about a choice to move through a heartache and loss to have success in life. The name of his book is Life is Hard but I'll Be Okay. He, he blogs and his, pod, and his podcast and his other parts of his life you can find at his website which is encourage33.com When we come back on the other side of our interview with Jody Saprello, we're going to talk about some of the transferable principles that we can learn from our conversation that you can carry with you that you can do. Right now our special guest on Beyond Adversity, the author of Life is Hard, But I'll Be Okay, Johnny Serpello. Let's get into that conversation right now. Our guest today is Johnny Serpello. He is the author of the book Life is Hard, But I'll Be Okay. And the subheading is The Power of Hope Emerging Through Pain and Learning to Live with gratitude. We've got a lot to talk about here today, and I'm going to just going to leave it right there in terms of introduction, because I really want to get into our conversation. But Johnny Serpello, welcome to Beyond Adversity. Thank you, Brad. Thank you for having me. It is awesome to, to have you indeed here, uh, Johnny. You, I've not had the pleasure of reading your book yet, but I know it's been a very popular book, and it's uh, on some of the bestseller lists. And it touches a nerve, I believe, about a lot of people who Understand that life is a challenge and it's hard, but not everybody thinks it's going to be okay because sometimes people think they're going to get stuck and they're just into, they their life dissolves into a disaster and they get stuck. And that's part of the purpose of this podcast is to help people get through that. And they haven't seen necessarily hope or gratitude and that type of thing. Let's talk about that a little bit. And particularly, Johnny, I know it's a challenge, but almost everybody goes through challenges in life. And I know a pivotal moment for you was a dramatic challenge that you had, a great adversity you had, which led in many ways to what this book is all about and what your life is all about. Do you mind going there with me for a little bit, friends, and tell me a little bit about your life, but how some pivotal moments led to
1: what you're doing now? Absolutely. So, my wife and I were married young in our early 20s. And by 25, when we were trying to have a family, we were not able to. And it took a number of years through a lot of fertility treatments to get pregnant. And we got pregnant with triplets. And our dreams were just, we were beyond excited. The dreams were coming true. And, um, later into the pregnancy our son our bottom son nicholas his water broke and my wife ended up going into labor and after about a week or so nicholas mary and peter were born we had two sons and a daughter and unfortunately none of them made it and they all passed away so after years of trying we we think we win the lottery and then we lose all three of them due to prematurity and, and Brad, that's why I love the title, of your podcast, Beyond Adversity, because I do believe that life is hard. I talk about that when I do public speaking engagements. The title of this book came from a senior in college that when I was speaking about four or 500 seniors at a university, somebody asked what they wish they knew when I was in their seat in my reply, as distilling and maybe as, uh, negative as it sounded was, I wish I knew that life would be hard, but Mm -hmm. I'd be okay. And so for us and that adversity, we thought after Nicholas, Mary and Peter died, that we hit our low and probably it was, but then there was a lot of other lows that followed. And there were a total of 13 different scenarios of different children that came in and out of our lives before we became parents. And so we continued to struggle. And so I guess when I think about getting beyond that adversity and feeling like we're at our low, but we're really not because then a new low comes and then a new low comes and years continue like this. For me, I have to find purpose in that pain. I cannot accept and I would not accept at that time in my late 20s when Nicholas, Mary and Peter died. I would not accept that this was the life that my wife and I were destined to lead. And so that's where we have to go beyond those adversities and find the purpose in our pain, find those silver linings of blessings. And I could promise you through a lot of work and therapy and commitment for my wife and I, we found so much beauty, even in the time Nicholas, Mary and Peter were alive, that we're incredibly thankful for today.
0: Wow. What a poignant story in a moment. And I can relate to some degree with you, with you, Johnny, my, and I'm not sure what stage of prematurity. Your children were born, but my other daughter who was born six and a half weeks premature and was less than three pounds when she was born and had many medical issues. And the flip side of what we've talked about here is now that she's 36 and I have two grandchildren from her, but I can still remember (laughs) those days very poignantly of uh, her going through that time. And so I just want to say before we go too far for you and your wife, I'm sorry. I just feel I'm just so sorry that this happened to you. And then to multiply that by whatever the scenarios are, you said 30 for 13 different scenarios of having children and just what an anguishing time. And I just want to say I'm sorry and that and that I'm so glad and happy that you found some pathway forward. Because I've been involved with three for many years as a retired pastor and dealt with a number of situations where people have had premature children and other life events where they get stuck and they are devastated. I know of at least one situation where a person never really recovered from that, and they live many years later, but they never really recovered from that episode. Let's talk for a minute. You mentioned some things here in your comments a minute ago, Johnny, about what you did. And you chose to try to find some purpose or some moments of joy out of this, purpose out of the pain. Tell us what some of the actions then that you did to work that process. You obviously you didn't dissolve in the you know, didn't just pull the covers up completely. Maybe you did some of that but you took some action. Tell us a bit about what some of the things that you and your wife did.
1: First of all, we were heavily engaged in therapy together. It was very important to us. The statistics after a child dies for a couple staying together are pretty grim. And we were presented that statistic the night before the funeral by some caring people that reached out to us. And we were already, already in therapy because of the time of the years of infertility and how taxing and wearing that was on us. And so we just doubled down with our psychologist, Dr. Barbara Fordyce, who's a dear, friend of mine and business partner today. We do a lot of public speaking together. And, but again, this was 27 years ago that we were working through this and we just sought help and we took that help. We didn't fight it. And I think Brad, one of the things that helped us is we went into it with a mindset that so many people were saying, I'm sure you're saying, why me? We Mm -hmm. never thought that somehow we were blessed to walk into therapy ahead of that decision or that question. We didn't get stuck there because why not me? there's awful things happening to everyone in the world all the time and beautiful things happening to people all over the world all the time. And we've had some beautiful things happen and we've had some awful things happen. So we don't get to just choose all the beauty side of it. And so we were okay with that. We didn't question that. And matter of fact, one of the chapters in my book is entitled, Why Not Us? And so we operated from that frame. Work first, which I think it gave us a leg up, if you will, on therapy, because we weren't stuck in that rut. We were uh, above that in saying, "Yes, this happened to us, and we can accept that. The then therapy we,
0: realm alone, but if you go into it with a positive attitude, an open attitude, if you're defensive at all, or if one party wants and one party doesn't,
1: it's really tough. That's right. We went in as a team and, and brought Barb into that team with us, and we wanted together to get to happier days that we weren't spending so much time at the cemetery daily, weekly, and finding the ways to move forward. One of the ways that we had to do that is reframe our thoughts. Through cognitive behavioral therapy, we learned some really important reframing techniques of how we can take a thought and change it in our mind to reframe it to one that we can't accept, to one we don't like, to the one that we can't accept, that we can't accept. And so for us, it's that concept all of us today know about PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. We were looking then for that post-traumatic growth. We were mm-hmm. looking for that opportunity to take something that was so raw and hurt us so badly and say, God, I'm not going to allow this to just be in our lives as a tragedy. And more importantly, Brad, I think because it wasn't about us, it was about honoring Nicholas, Mary, and Peter. We were not going to allow their lives to be defined as a tragedy uh, and be defined on the time between their birth and death certificate. We wanted to honor them in a better way than that. And so that forced us to start looking at them differently and not as this traumatic loss, but starting to think about the amazing blessing that we had. And there was something really beautiful when we were able to hold our kids' entire lives in our hands from beginning to end, just the five of us. And as sad as it was, while it was happening, we were the happiest people in that hospital, was there was just... Gratitude Saw the gifts that God created for us. And we talked about that, yet then we'd immediately go back to sadness. And so mm-hmm. part of that reframing of our thoughts was, why can't we just stay on the gratitude part? Why? We always want more of everything. If it's good food, we want more of that. If it's money, we want more of that. If sure. it's somebody to love, we want more of that. But why can't we say, this was enough and I'm thankful mm-hmm. for it? And that's what we started doing. And the more we said it, the more we believed it and the more we felt just so blessed to be Nicholas, Mary and Peter's parents.
0: Sure. So you doubled down on gratitude then. Is that what I'm hearing you hear you say, Johnny? You really went heavy on the gratitude and embracing what was instead of what wasn't. That's right.
1: Absolutely. We did, Brad, because the alternative was too painful. Yeah. It just was too dark. Laying, I mm-hmm. spent so much time laying on that ground at the cemetery because I felt I was six feet away from them. And it yeah. just felt as a new parent, as we were prepared to be up all night and trying to get three yeah. babies to sleep and all those right. things. Sure. It just felt like that's where I belonged. And, mm-hmm. but God had other purpose and intent for me. Part of it, I think, was writing this book and to be able to help others who get stuck when life is hard and they mm-hmm. can't move beyond adversity.
0: Well, wow, that's that awesome. And but part of what's going on here is the very radically intentional part of this because it's because the we can be really dissolved, the other forces, resentment and bitterness and all kinds of things, can reach up and grab us and drag us down. And that's not where that's not the healthiest place to be. You do you can't spend your life prone on that grave. Uh that's just not where it's going to be. And probably those three children don't want you to be in that state either that's lifted up their lives in a really great way
1: you just said something important about resentment and we were three of our closest friends were pregnant when we were pregnant and we Mm. were all due the same time sure and we were determined because they were so wonderful to us and they were so feeling our pain my wife's best friends three of them coming to the funeral. And as pregnant as my wife was, that's not a happy place for a pregnant woman to go into a funeral parlor or more into the church or be at the hospital when they were born, as they all were. And we knew that they were there for us in our sadness. And it was very simple and clear to us that we needed to be there for them in their. One of those births happened about 10 days after the funeral. And we were determined to be there at the hospital, the same hospital that we just delivered at two weeks prior. Um, and we were determined to be there for them because they deserved, and of course they didn't expect it, but they deserved from us the same care of it and attention back that they gave to us. And so what we saw that there was no connection to our sorrow and their joy, other than we, mutually felt it for each other. And so we only knew the right thing to do was to express that joy for them. So as they would want to comfort us in that moment of their child's birth, it was, no, this wow. is all for you. And so that's where we're going to stay. And it took discipline sure, without a doubt. Most of those visits ended Brad with us going to the cemetery. Uh, wow. But while we were present with them, that was important to us, and we did have our moments holding their babies where we had emotion.
0: Sure, that's but it, it.
1: I think that's a, it's a way though to help us keep moving forward and beyond that adversity. And I'm going to keep mm-hmm. using your title for your show because <laughs> yeah. that's exactly where we were, and we had to get beyond that. That's awesome. And what
0: I reflect with you here, a minute, Johnny, I hear at least three things that you did. You took actions that you took. You. Continue do with your therapy, which you were doing prior to this event. You keep on doing it and now you're writing books and doing things with your therapist. So that's an ongoing part of your life and you certainly advocate that. So that's great. And you also chose to be radical in your attitude towards gratitude. And even when you may not have been feeling all that grateful, you still express gratitude. And that's that's awesome. And then the, uh, the other thing I would share with you that I think is a little bit unusual that you didn't whatever bitterness or resentment may have been there, it didn't consume you in the sense of how you still chose to be active in engaging with others. And I see this so often where people withdraw. You've probably seen this too, where people withdraw – because it's just so incredibly painful. Well, the person who goes through the divorce doesn't want to hang around with their married friends anymore. The person who has a death in the family he doesn't want to be with people, somebody, whatever, any number of things. So that, that that that's awesome. So I appreciate you talking about the actions that you took. And I want to talk about an action or an aspect that I think is so important as well in what we're talking about here. And I think it's a part of your story. You'll have to help me out here a little bit. What connection, if any, was there to a higher power or a sense of a connection to God or meditation or anything along this line that was a part of your process? Because a lot of times when bad things happen, people get mad at God or they get mad or they try to withdraw from this type of thing. But tell me about any aspects of spiritual life that had to do with this process for you.
1: Well, probably the most, the closest we've probably ever felt to God. And we never had anger at God. Again, we know that God is a loving God. We know that he does not promise us a life free of pain or anxiety or trials. And so we understand that going in and we knew that God did not do this to us. There's free will on this earth, things happen, and we know God is there for us. So we saw that clear distinction. The time that they were alive, again, was the closest probably that we've ever felt to God. It was so beautiful, and we were very joyful. We found our faith to be what was going to continue to carry us through because As the book describes, life-threatening medical situations happening to my wife later in future pregnancies, in adoptions internationally that were challenging, that our lives were at risk in a foreign country. So many things that happened in this book that happened in our lives that I write about in the book really put us in a spot to just keep saying to God, God, I prayed so hard to get Susan pregnant and keep Susan pregnant and all those things. And then we changed our prayer about halfway through this journey to, you know, God, we surrender. Send us the kids that you want us to raise from whatever woman is going to give birth to them, through my wife, through someone else, wherever in the world, any color, anything, race, from any place in the world, you send us our children that we're meant to raise. And that's really when our lives changed, when the good started happening when we opened ourselves up ultimately for God's plan for us, as opposed to me as a control freak that I am, mm. a guy with high anxiety and a type A driving personality, which worked great in my business career. But when I let go and let God, and then things really manifested, still were challenging, right? Still were really difficult and a lot of ups and downs, but he was right there with us through it all.
0: And just to complete the circle there, you, it does end up with you having more children through very through adoption and other, through adoption. And so you have, had, just to clarify, you have how many children now at this point?
1: We have three children. One of them is adopted. I tell my kids I don't recall which one of them is, but <laughs> we're pretty sure I got a file somewhere that tells us. But uh, yeah, so Bo is our oldest. He's 26. Actually, Bo's adopted. And then Bella, and stone came within less than three years after that. And so we ended up with three children under the age of Hey, yay God. And you had uh, that right.
0: blessing that happened that way. And as you said, the let go and let God, when you surrender, often things happen. And so many times I've experienced this myself. People who just like what you said, you for whatever the circumstances were, you had a, an adoption and then naturally born children and that type of thing just seems to happen oftentimes. And so it is you have that blessing in your life of your children. And so you have the blessings in your life of your wife and you've carried your life together. You've had the blessings in your life of your faith. And now you're starting to get, turn your blessings around and to share it with other people. And let's talk for a minute here about how you have applied these lessons in your life and how they can be applicable to other people. What I'm talking about here now, Johnny, is any, any disciplines, any habits, any lifestyle situations, spiritually, physical, health wise, leadership wise anything that's transformed and shifted in your life that you what you live your life now is particular how you can maybe share that with others i'm talking disciplines habits practices things like this tell us about that a-, a little bit
1: absolutely brad again as i said earlier the purpose for the pain i was continually looking for that so i wanted to apply what i felt what i learned and what i realized the epiphanies that i was having of how my life needs to be now that i hit this low and i know truly what the hardest degree of sadness is there was an empathy in me that came out a desire i think god put it on my heart to really change the business executive that i was and i was running a family business a nice size company and i started immediately making changes there because i recognized that i did not have an environment in my company that was ultimately creating happiness and joy for my associates that when they go home to play their most important role as a family member or a caregiver, that I was putting them in the best frame of mind when they go home. And I recognized as a leader that, and at the time I only had 70 employees, as my career went on, I had over 10,000 employees. And what I recognized was that in their work hours, when I had high demands and high expectations from them, I needed to be creating a culture that lifted them up, that made them feel valued and appreciated and so that they have the best frame of mind when they go home. Because if not, if I exert negativity and control over them or allow my team or my managers or create that culture that's negative, when they go home and they have the opportunity to exert the power that they have at their home and they treat people poorly, whether it's their husband, their wife, their children, whoever it might be, their parents, some of that's on me in the late in the leadership that I allowed in our company. So the application that I used for all of these thoughts that I had was a clarity of how I wanted my heart to be. And that's the same heart that I have at home because we have one mind and one heart and I have to bring that same mind and heart to work. So if I'm going to be a good, loving guy at home, then when I go to work, i got to be that same guy and vice versa.
0: And let me ask you something about this. This is from the business pr- perspective, because some people might push back on you and say, "Oh man, Johnny, that's coughed. That's not how we do business. This is not the way it's done." But I'm going to take a shot here with you that when you made these adjustments and how you did business with your employees and in your environment of being having this trust and accountability that way, it didn't really did it, it didn't really hurt the bottom line, did it? Your business still. It okay.
1: right? Yeah. The businesses grew incredibly. And I can tell you, Brad, no one has ever said about me that I'm too soft as a business leader. But what I hope that they say to me is that I'm respectful mm-hmm. of them, that I will have tough conversations because it's important to me to be honest and real with people and never mess with their minds. I would tell my leaders, my team, I will never mess with you. I do have very high expectations. And that's part of that is in terms of how we treat each other. But a huge part of that is how we deliver and meet the um, expectations that we have from our customers, from our stakeholders, from our shareholders. Uh, That is exactly what we're going to do. And we're going to do it at a high level, but we're going to do it with respect and integrity and honesty towards each other. And when we need to have a tough conversation, we're absolutely gonna do that. We're never gonna shy away from those. We're gonna okay. dive into those deeply, Brad, and we're gonna have meaningful talks. But the way we're gonna do it is we're gonna engage and do it with integrity and honesty okay. and respect and kindness. And as soon as we see that conversation going in a different way, I would like to say, I'm willing to call time out here. I see how this conversation's going. I don't think it's gonna end well for either of us. I'm to give you a chance to reframe your thoughts Maybe dial it down a bit. If we need to break, we can break and reschedule and come back. But if you can't do that and you want to keep going at this force and pace, I'll be in a position to reply and come at it with the same But that's not what I prefer. I'd like the best outcome here. And so I think really with that honesty, it was being respectful because you got to remember, Brad, that in our workplace, people come into the workplace with their own expectations of what they think of the boss Hmm. or management or the president of the company. And for me playing those roles, I understood that I could be working against 30 years of conditioning that in the home oh, that they yeah. grew up in, sure. their parents hated management. They hated the boss. They hated the leader and maybe for very good reasons. Right. So they come in with that preconceived judgment that I have to be a bad guy because I own the company or because I'm president of the company and that's what I wouldn't accept. And so I would spend a little extra time to try to get them to understand, hey, Johnny's a real dude. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I've got my challenges outside of work as well. And I care.
0: And have some respect that they have that same thing going on in their life. There's many facets of life. And I'm a big fan of Jim Collins, who's the good to great Guy and his book, How the Mighty have Fallen has to do with the differences in management of hubris over humility. You have a big vision and hubris is how the manager style of stepping on people. And it's all arrogance and so on, where humility is about serving one another. And we're all in this together teamwork. And so I'm sensing that this is what you're building here, a sense of uh, not that the business moves on the trust level of all factors here. And that's awesome. That's awesome. That's right. Yeah. Let me let's talk about your book here a little bit in depth in terms of what it means for people moving forward in terms of who you wrote this book for, what it's about, who you're serving here. Cuz I believe what's on your heart here, Johnny, is you know, you've shared your story and shared how it's been of impacting your marriage and your life and your children, your family and then even your business a little bit. But I think your heart's a little bit uh, even wider than that and you have a heart to serve others even outside the your, uh, your circles. So you wrote this book. Who'd you write this book for? What's it all about? What, uh, what part of this is serving others in love?
1: So two, two purposes to write the book. One, it's dedicated to all those who find life to be hard and to those who provide strength and wisdom for them on the journey. So when writing the book, I was acknowledging that although our story is about the death of our children and the struggle for us to have a family, that's just the backdrop and the storyline applied to the psychological principles of dealing when life is hard. And so for us, I wanted to put that out there to the people that are experiencing life when it's hard and also to be, for the people out there that provide strength and wisdom for the journey. So for those caregivers, those good friends, those parents, Anyone that's seen when life is hard for someone, really very clear about how good the people were to us. So it's for both sides of that coin, number one. And then I also wrote the book to honor my wife. What she endured physically, she endured what I endured emotionally, but she had the whole other component physically. Hmm. And I, I wanted our children to know, I wanted to honor Nicholas, Mary, and Peter, but I wanted their all six of them to know that the incredible depths that Susan went through in order to become a mother and to give us a family. And so I wanted people to understand this resilience and strength that my wife had that was unimaginable to to many in the process. And yes, my wife did have two children that we're raising today biologically, but and they were born prematurely in the same stage Mm. that uh, your daughter was. And she spent five and a half months in bed during the pregnancies and just struggled. It was bad and her life was at risk, but her resilience. So that's really why I wrote the book is to help people with that frame of thought and how to Try to find resilience and gratitude in the process. And then also to let people know and have an expectation that in their life, it's okay when it's there's so much goodness in that grit and those hard times that you can come out of and never to let those life lessons be wasted in self-medicating through alcohol or drugs or food or any other form of addiction that give a temporary feel good measure. Mm -hmm. but really find the things that are long lasting, faith, the trust in God, the resilience to keep fighting and keep pushing. And again, ours, it was a course of seven years that we went through some really dark times and dark times after all three of our kids suffered today from illnesses that they'll have the rest of their, we've had a lot of medical challenges with our three kids and so life continued to be hard. Sure. It wasn't just and, over just because we had kids.
0: And that doesn't end. That never ends. My, the? Uh, I think uh, I love what you've done here. Is you put on the record your story. You put it there in a book, and it's in your story, and therefore it's not only honoring honoring Susan, but it's also telling your children and other people's lives and wives and husbands and children and other people that this is a, my story, but you got your story too. Everybody's got their story. That's right. And a, a part of the story here has to also learn about the power of the wilderness experience, as I would just put it here, that biblically, you got your Exodus, so you got your Genesis, the beginning of things, the Exodus, you lead you eventually to the promised land as one metaphor biblically. And I like to think about that one in terms of the teaching that, that I do, Johnny, in terms of you really can't get to the promised life or the promised land without going through a wilderness experience. And you That's need right. to value the wilderness experience and because we went right to, if we went right to some ecstatic experience out of the beginning then it's just going to be ridiculous ridiculous so i appreciate that so let's talk for a minute and kind of wind this around to where i think your story began with how people came and served you in the midst of your pain and how you chose to react to that in, in a mostly positive way And not be bitter, but to get better. Let's talk about some people may have read your book or maybe you've encountered or maybe you've talked to perhaps employees or coworkers or others who who have come to you, not only for what's going on in your business, but hey, we've had this situation happen. How has something that you've shared or out of your book or out of your teaching, out of your life, how have you seen that be helpful? to someone else, to see some life transformation take place, a testimonial, perhaps, of something that's going on.
1: For me, Brad, I think that as I've been open with my employees over the years, and again, thousands of them, that I let them know that although in this company I have this authority and this responsibility, I'm no different than them in many ways. Many of them are much stronger than me, much brighter than me, have endured much more than me, and that we're just real people working together. I loved the opportunity to connect with people at any level in the company and use it as an opportunity to show them, number one, that I care, that I'm appreciative of their efforts and their commitment to our company and to our customers. But beyond that, that we as a company care about them and their families and i wanted to talk about their kids and i wanted to for them to know about mine and that we had a relationship that was built on more than just business and because i did that and i put that energy into it i found them in turn putting that energy back into their role as an executive or leader in the company and we formed something special which was really a partnership i'd love to say that all those executives i worked They worked with me. My team, I didn't refer to them as working for me. It was always working with me. And we were together. We were a tight group. And when I told them that I was retiring after our IPO, I literally cried in front of them. It felt like the most selfish thing that I have. I know it's the most selfish thing that I've ever done in my life. I was 50 years old when we had our IPO. It happened on my 50th birthday. And nine months later, I was retired. And I felt selfish and cried when I told them that I was leaving.
0: Wow. So Johnny, at this point, you've made a commitment now and you've retired from your career, and, and but you're involved now with all these other aspects. Your website is encourage3333.com and you've written this book and you're looking to serve others. So tell us how people, if really people want to reach out to you or find out more about what you're about now. I know you've got several aspects of your life. If you go to your website, there's a whole lot of information there about healthy living and leadership and adoption and so on. But what are people going to find when they go to your website? Where are people going to find when they read your book? What kind of things can you offer people who are, in their own way, they're suffering, they're stuck. They have had their own disaster happen. But what can people find that you might be able to help people out with?
1: I think they're going to be able to find hope. Brad, I think it's as simple as that, that there's hope and that with perseverance and staying true to something and staying focused and not walking away from it, it would have been easy. The easiest thing we could have done is stop trying to have a family. Maybe even easier than that was to separate from each other. And those were not options. And so we made a a very clear and decisive and distinct decision and direction that and path that we were going to follow. And we kept going. We were desperate. And that's why we were put in a foreign country in a very dangerous situation uh, that I write about about in our adoption process. And I'm not saying that being desperate is good. Being desperate makes you vulnerable. And we were incredibly vulnerable and put in some bad spots because of that desperation. But we didn't lose hope. And we were not going to lose hope at every turn and every door that was slammed in our face. And so I think that's one thing that I hope that people get out of it, that they see that there is a way out from whatever their challenge is. And there are blessings in their path in front of them. They just need to recognize them and not fall down the path of, yeah, but this still happened. Hmm. Of course it did. Sure. And I'll never deny the pain that we felt, the sadness, the tears, the time in counseling. I'm not saying that we glided over things. We dug deep into them and expressed those feelings, fully immersed ourselves in them, and then said, now we need to move out of them because we can't stay here. Awesome. It was survival that we couldn't stay in that yeah. place. It was too dark.
0: Yeah. I think you get some awesome things here. And I love when you say that hope is what your book is all about. And when you just say, it'll be okay. That's not a trite saying, is it? That's just not it's that's not just a throwaway line. It'll be okay. It is a believing that somehow in the end, it'll be okay. And even for men and women of faith, okay, even means if things go completely south. You've talked about it over under your three children. Disaster for many people. I mean, it was a disaster, obviously, but you had a sense that, okay, we can deal with this in the sense of being okay. And that's an awesome message uh, to have. Appreciate you sharing from your heart here uh, today, Johnny. And Johnny, Johnny Serpilla, very vulnerable with our audience that's appreciated very much. And again, I want to say just a big heartfelt thank you and sorry for your loss, but thank you for your message that for your book, Life is Hard, but there's hope. It'll be okay. So the title of uh, if his book is indeed Life is Hard, It'll Be Okay. And the subhead heading is The Power of Hope Emerging Through Pain and Learning to Live with Gratitude. He uh, His blog and his his website is encourage33.com. And his name is Johnny Serpella Johnny, thank you for being our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast. I want to thank Johnny Zappella for being so vulnerable to share his story with us here today on Beyond Adversity. You heard the heartache about his story, about losing his triplets, about how that impacted his marriage and his life and his health and everything else in his business. But how I then chose to work through that. Here's some transferable principles that you can take with you. Never give up on the power of hope and understand that you can emerge uh, through the pain of your life. And one of the key parts of that is learning to live with gratitude no matter what. And that impacts everything in your life, including the success of your business life or how you uh, how you deal with the people in the workplace Everything is interconnected. Everything is, uh, impacts the other. It, this is a, 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 a genetic thing, a physiological thing. Your emotional life, your physical life, your work life are all interconnected. So you need to deal with one effectively that has success in the other. And if you want to drive meaningful change in the workplace and at home, You need to deal with these matters, including such devastating things as the loss of children. He was very vulnerable with us. It's just some great lessons from here that you can take with you. You can find more about his services, which are business-related, emotional-related, physical health-related, all at his website, encourage33.com. And we'll put connections to that, links to that at our website, drbradmiller.com. This is episode number 221. We do thank you for being our guest here today on this podcast, which is brought to you by our coaching program, which is the 40-Day Way. The 40-Day Way is about helping you to create your 40-Day Plan, your POP, your promised life plan, to help you get through that place of being stuck, to find your pathway to peace and prosperity and purpose. It gives you a written blueprint how to do it in 40 days. You can head over to drbradmiller.com slash 40-Day Way for more information about that. We do appreciate you joining us every week here on the Beyond the Adversity podcast. Where we're all about talking to great authors and leaders and teachers, which are going to help you to deal with the, what we call the five D's. The five D's are depression, anything related to mental health issues, divorce, things related to relationships, disease, things related to health, debt, everything related to financial resources and then death, things regarding grief and end-of-life issues. Those are the biggies. We help you do that here. I'm an experienced pastor and have a doctor in transformational leadership, and I can help you. But moreover, the people we bring on to this podcast can help you as well. So tune in every week as we bring great guests and great resources to your ears to help you to grow through what you go through and achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Thanks for being with us today, friends. Until next time, this is Dr. Brad Miller encouraging you to always do all the good that you can.
1: Thank you for listening to the
0: Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com or subscribe for free through Apple podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose.